0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fire to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
1: My name is Robin from Boise. I never listen to I Doubt It with Galamore.
2: Um. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dalamore. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 381. Goddamn. Goddamn. Of I doubt it with Dollamore. I am your host, as always, Jesse Dollmore and seated next to me, the lovely, the talented Brittany Page. Here I am. Really uh, digging deep for the response after your introduction. I see. Well,
3: I was I was in the middle of researching a little bit, and I am also preparing to get mildly fired up. So I. I'm um, trying to keep it cool.
2: If the level of fired up is anything (laughs) similar to what I have, uh, I almost said endured. I don't mean endured. I mean, uh, experienced, witnessed over the last few days. Uh Eh, It'll be good. I like that, Brittany Page.
3: Yeah. Well, I've had some time to deal with it, but I'm still dealing with it. So
2: let's tell them what you're dealing with. Okay. Jordan Peterson. Jordan B. Peterson. Yeah. Isn't there an actor named Jordan Peterson? I don't know. Why is he Jordan B. Peterson? He's the darling of the alt-right. He's the darling of men's rights activists all across the world.
3: And he would deny that.
2: He is the darling of of David Rubin, the Rubin Report.
3: And he would deny that. But... Well, he'd
2: be fucking wrong and a liar (laughs) is what... But Vice recently sat down with him, or some Vice reporter who...
3: Yeah, well, let's say who he is first. So he's a Canadian clinical psychologist, and he's a professor at the University of Toronto. That's right. And he's recently been um, making headlines because he, he wrote a book... Uh, like the twelve rules for life. Twelve rules for life, and Are an- <laughs> Did- oh, you
2: re- you're reading right yeah. now? Yeah. Oh, wow. An I thought an- you were just winging it. An anecdote,
3: an anecdote Ado- an to chaos. No, I like
2: anecdote <laughs> better.
3: <laughs> um, and it's the number one book on Amazon, nonfiction or something. Um, so he he's becoming this prominent figure. And he recently was in the headlines as well because he did this interview on some show in Britain or something and it was with this woman, Kathy Newman, I believe her name is. Don't know a lot of the details, sorry guys. She,
2: she kinda of blew the interview.
3: Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he won though. That doesn't mean that he won.
2: No, I didn't I don't think that Yeah,
3: she she did a a terrible job and it was embarrassing for sure um but people love this guy and I don't really get it so I've been trying to watch his videos watch his lectures watch his interviews so that I could try to get it and I'm still not getting it so um and I have I
2: think uh we get it yeah
3: (laughs) I have I have friends who who won't even watch his stuff. They've they say I know who this guy is. I'm not going to watch his stuff. Are they
2: the types that are like I don't want to platform him or whatever?
3: Oh, I'm sure that people feel that way too. But I I want to know what's going on because he's obviously he's striking, striking a chord yeah, with people yeah. no, and a nerve, whatever it is. And uh, <laughs> I I want to figure out why. So I watched this Vice thing there uh, <laughs> they sent a reporter to go interview him at his home in Canada and well we're going to play a We're going to play
2: like a minute and a half of a 6 minute segment um just kind of the most egregious idiotic part where he's talking about sexual harassment in the workplace and uh
4: <laughs> prepare for your ears to bleed is there about, sexual harassment the, in the workplace? Yes. Should it stop? That'd be good. Will it? Well, not at the moment it won't because we don't know what the rules are. Do you think men and women can work in the workplace together? I don't know. Without sexual harassment? We'll see. We'll see.
5: How many years will it take for men and women working in the workplace together? More than 40. To get a sense.
4: We don't know what the rules are. Like what? Here's a rule. Don't, don't How about you, no makeup in the workplace? Why would that be a rule? Why should you wear makeup in the workplace? Isn't that sexually provocative? No. It's not? No. Well, what is it then? What's the purpose of makeup? Some people would like to just put on makeup. Why? To, 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 I don't know why Why do you make your lips red? Because they turn red during sexual arousal. That's why. Why do you put rouge on your cheeks? Same reason. I mean, look. How about high heels? What, what are you, they What for? about high heels? What about them? They're there to exaggerate sexual attractiveness. That's what high heels do. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't use sexual displays in the workplace. I'm not saying that. Oh. But I am saying that that is what they're doing, and that is what they're doing.
5: Oh. Do you feel like a serious woman who does not (laughs) want sexual harassment in the workplace, do you feel like if she wears makeup in the workplace that she is
4: somewhat being critical? Yeah. Okay. I do think that.
2: If a woman wears makeup in the workplace, she's being hypocritical no
3: if a woman doesn't want to be sexually harassed and wears makeup oh, in the workplace is she being hypocritical and he would say yes that is the key part of that interview there's a lot
2: there that could have been <laughs> if if the interviewer yeah and here's a little critique here yeah if the interviewer hadn't been so giggly and fucking not on his toes there is so much here to dissect after one time listening to this i for instance for instance, Brittany Page. Yes. For instance, audience. Okay. He says this at the end.
4: Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't use sexual displays in the workplace. I'm not saying that.
2: He's not saying that, Brittany. He's not saying. Quit thinking that he's saying that you shouldn't use sexual displays in yeah. the workplace. Yeah. Except for this.
4: Here's a rule. <laughs> Don't, how about no makeup in the workplace?
2: Here's a rule. Yeah. A rule sounds like he's directly refuting what he
4: said later. Now, I'm not saying that people shouldn't use sexual displays in the workplace. Here's I'm not a rule. saying that. Don't, don't How you... about no makeup in the workplace?
3: Here, here's a rule, Brittany. Yeah. So this whole thing was weird. Um, I wish that uh, Vice, they have many great reporters, and I wish they would have sent one of their female reporters. Yeah. The one who, i I don't know either of their names, but one of them is always in like doing reporting on South Korea and stuff like oh, that. Yeah, I yeah. think she would have been good. There's um, another one
2: who wears like deep V-neck T-shirts. Yeah. She's she, she's solid.
3: She would have been good too. Um,
2: Even the girl with the glasses that never fit. <laughs> I think she would have been a, the one who who interviewed the Nazi in Charlottesville. Yeah,
3: any of them. Because the these women don't wear all that makeup. They wear some makeup, but they could have gotten into a discussion with him about, well... You know, what if I, uh, for instance, I don't wear red lipstick, and I don't usually wear blush on my cheeks. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, not, the labia lips thing <laughs> is. Well,
2: it's a weird, like, nineteen fifty sensibility about the lades in the workplace. <laughs> also, about the fucking high heels, Jordan B. Peterson can go fuck himself because, yeah, okay, bell's over with. Uh can go fuck himself because high heels were started and first worn by men. a dick face
3: we might need the um no the drop,
2: oh, which one
3: <laughs> that that saves me from any <laughs> um, really yeah, maybe okay, so I wasn't done with what I was saying, so some people wear makeup like to cover their zits because they there it is.
2: The views and just opinions expressed by <laughs> Jesse Dollarmore are solely those of Jesse Dollarmore and do not reflect the views and opinions of Brittany Page, who is a far superior person and much more measured and reasonable in her views and analysis.
3: Yes. So some people might wear makeup just to cover their zits and make their their skin tone yeah. look more even so that they don't have to be out in public wondering if people are staring at their zits not so that they walk around and men are thinking of the you know in in <laughs> enlarged labia and their their sex <laughs> face you know it there's, there's
2: their vagina yeah, face yeah <laughs> i
3: i just It's so strange to me. And then he, you know, says, I'm not saying this, but let's engage in a thought experiment that conveys the message that I do believe this, because why else would he, in order to solve the problem of sexual harassment, launch into an example that oppresses women? Rather than an example that is an expectation that men Keep are the their problem. their dick in their pants. That men are the problem right. in this scenario. That men need to be the ones that do something different. Not that women need to not show their tits at work or wear tight clothing, right? This is the same thing. This is the same argument that you hear about rape, right? What was she wearing? Yeah. Well, what kind of makeup did she have on? Were her lips reminding someone of a vagina?
2: Was she wearing anything other than a burqa? If so... She brought it on herself. Yeah. You can't help your behavior, sir.
3: Yeah. And and people like to defend Jordan Peterson and say, oh, well, he didn't really mean to say this. <laughs> well, then he should speak more clearly because he's on the public speaking tour right, that he's right. on. Making money. And he, he has enough experience doing it. So he should make his messaging clear.
2: Well, this is also a guy, I, we didn't really get into who he is, but he's a guy who like refuses to use... The gen- the preferred gender pronouns of trans people. Why why not? And I've heard interviews or where like back and forths between him and another person, presumably someone who's trans, say, "So well, I think it's going to do you more harm in the long run, eh?" He, he, you know, making fun of a little Canadian. Is that actually, what he? But, wait, so, he's Canadian. Is that what he said? Though? Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. No, long run, maybe a. Eh, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> For the purposes of my making fun of him, yeah. yes, he okay. said it. All right, perfect. So, why the fuck does it bother him? What is it putting him out to use someone's, hey, don't call me he, call me they. Call me them. Mm -hmm. Why does he refuse to do it? Now, look, I don't think it's like violence or a crime against that person. Just like if someone's to call me she all day long, it would irritate me, but I don't feel like it would be an attack on, that I'm also not part of that marginalized community. But still... This is the kind of guy he is, is what I'm getting at. And
3: this is a good example, because I think if if he were sitting here, he would say, well, no, I didn't say I would refuse to do that. I said that I don't want a law to be written that forces me to do that. Right,
2: right. (laughs) He does. He traffics in ambiguity. Um,
3: Yeah. And so talking to him is almost like communicating with a Deepak Chopra quote generator, where... (laughs) you you start to wonder like what is it that we're even talking about here at this point you know yeah. and some of his supporters have adopted this way of speaking too so when they defend him it turns into this very weird what are we saying what yeah. are you what is happening right now um and that's not what intellectuals should do when you watch Christopher Hitchens debate people there was never any confusion <laughs> yeah, unless right. you didn't understand the words he was using right, right. Um, you understood there what he was saying
2: certainty there is clarity in his words right so, especially this guy who's a professor a doctor right a professor
3: right so is he just too afraid to say what he really means so he's trying right. to dance around it and have there be a double meaning so that he can distance himself when he needs to, when it gets too hot. Because here's the other problem. When you Google his name, Jordan Peterson, these are the people that pop up for people also search for, which means the people that are searching for Jordan Peterson are also searching for these people. As if,
2: like, if you were to search for Richard Spencer, that list would include David Duke, Jared Taylor, other racists. Jordan
3: Peterson, Dave Rubin, God Saad, who I don't know who that is.
2: He's a uh, another Canadian professor who is total like anti social justice warrior guy.
3: Sam Harris, Ben Shapiro, and Lauren Southern. Okay.
2: Half of that list are are alt right like white nationalists.
3: Yeah, and this tends to be his following. Yeah. And again, he would deny that, but uh, when we were looking for the the clip to play the interview, one of the videos that you found was titled Why Do Women Wear Makeup at Work? Jordan Peterson's Schools Beta Male Reporter on Reality.
2: <laughs> Beta Male. So,
3: this is the other weird thing is he's he's been talking about he's teaching yes. he's teaching young men how to be <laughs> men.
2: Yeah, man. Yeah. Like capital M man. Yeah,
3: like what it means to be a man. And
2: <laughs> he is weird. not your he is not his own definition of a of an alpha man. Oh, and let me ask this too.
4: Uh,
2: one of the listeners uh-huh. in, on a thread, I believe it was Alina, yeah, brought up, "Why is this guy shaving his beard?" He's a clean-shaven dude.
3: Well, so Alina, listener Alina, said, It would be lovely to watch him squirm if you ask him why he shaves his face before going to work. The prepubescent signaling that he tediously commits himself to, at least daily, is an interesting one to explore. Of course, duh, it's a conversation Taylor m- made for ridiculousness, but jack waggers like him don't bother looking into the mirror before attacking others, which is why the topic is so yummy. So yeah, once he opens the door to hypocrisy talk, I'm barging in like the Kool-Aid man. <laughs> 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 um uh. but this this whole thing oh, is yeah
2: is that what the kool-aid guy says i
3: don't know uh but like when kathy newman interviewed him and failed that was unfortunate because what needs to happen is someone needs to like just stop this and it's tracks and the same with the vice reporter he was pretty uncomfortable and there needs to be someone that says no i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna put the pressure on you here, and I'm gonna demand an actual answer, and yeah. none of this Deepak Chopra quote generator stuff. I, I want a firm answer. I want to know what you really think. I tell me, right? And not let up.
2: Yeah. He's uh you're gonna hear more about him. I think I might do a video on this fucking clown chew. he's a bothersome character. I, I don't like I like listen. If you're gonna be a dick and you're gonna be uh Well, a dick. If you're going to be that guy, then be loud and proud. Say it clearly. Don't leave room for, oh, no, no, you misunderstood. That's not what I meant. No, I was saying something else. You know what? Because I talk for a living. You know how many times I'm misunderstood? I mean, it happens.
3: It happens for sure. No, it for sure happens. But
2: it doesn't happen every time I open my fucking mouth and because I is, speak with clarity.
3: If it is... That's a problem on the person who is speaking. And also, you know who speaks with double meaning? You know, with dog whistles? Yeah, Donald, racist. Racist. Yeah. So I I don't care for any of that. Say what you mean. Quit making people do a bunch of work to try to figure out what you're saying. What's the point of that?
2: What do you mean saying? Yeah,
3: figure it out and and tell us. It's good. Own it. Own
2: it. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get back down. All right. Um, let's we'd love to hear what you guys think about that. Yeah. Before we go to voicemails, let me drop totally the number. Six five seven. No, you're not wrong. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit it at dollamore.com. Let's start with Sean of Missouri. Hey
1: guys, it's Sean from Missouri. I was just uh listening to the last episode and um I think I'm getting a little sick. I didn't uh inoculate myself with the Jesus yet. Anyway, um, I, was, I was actually responding to uh Jesse talk, talking about people were going to get mad when he said that, that Pat Robertson should die and people would get mad at him for saying that. I am not one of those people. I completely agree. Fuck that guy. He, he needs to go. He, the world would be a better place without Pat Robertson in it anymore and he's like 86 years old like it's not like he hasn't lived his fucking life so yeah uh fuck that guy so anyway that's really all i called to say so love you guys bye
2: he is like a melted bag of bones like a bone (laughs) sack yeah like a soggy bone sack Mm. soggy wrinkly bone sack no no yeah. I think he is. Mm-hmm. Thanks for the call, Sean. I'm glad somebody agrees. I'm glad we, I got no dissenters on this, so that's good.
3: I'm sure you had them. They just didn't call.
2: Thanks. I, I appreciate that. You're welcome. All right.
6: Hello, our persons. John from Pennsylvania here. You know, just when I thought we could get through a couple of days without some revelation of a man doing a horrible thing to a woman, it would come out. Nope. Of course not. And this time, it's one of Trump's inner circle. He gets called out for being a wife abuser, which I don't really approve of. Let's make that abundantly clear um However, it dovetails into a debate my brother and I are having, which is if uh we flip the switch, let's say every position that a man occupies now a woman would now occupy, and vice versa that he believes uh that inside of a decade that uh within a decade that uh um, women would basically be exhibiting the same behavior as men on the basis that power corrupts, and absolute power corrupts, absolutely. Um, I think that simplifies it. I don't think it's that easy, uh, and I don't think even if it was happening that it would be to the levels it's happening now for certain, there would be abuses, but I don't know if there would be the same thing. But just wanted to put that question to you guys, you two, you talking podheads, you, and uh, see what you two could come up with twixt uh, yourselves. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day.
3: Talking podheads, podheads, oh,
2: podcasters. There's all kinds of pod talk, pod terms. <laughs> you know, like pod fade. There's podcasts that start and then. Oh after seven or eight episodes, they just kinda of go away. Yeah. They call that pod fade.
3: Yeah, that's kinda of what might happen to us. We will we we, <laughs> we don't know yet. Right, right. It might happen.
2: We're nineteen away from four hundred numbered episodes. We've done sixty episodes of bonus content.
3: Pretty impressive.
2: I think we're here to stay. Yeah, I, I think, think so. If we had faded.
3: Yeah, so this is an interesting question and one that I think is very difficult to to answer because you're also taking into account just history and who's been in power throughout history. Forever. So even if you were to just change it overnight now, you're not necessarily undoing all of that history of who has been in power, unless that's part of the hypothetical too. (laughs) Have women always been in power in this hypothetical situation? That's the problem.
2: It's a thought exercise that... Isn't based in the real, the real thing.
3: Yeah. So I don't know if women would be uh, sexually aggressive and assaulting men if they were in positions of power.
2: Well, be- there's all kinds of variables we don't know. Are women also th- as? Are they now physically stronger than men, or is it just as it is now with the same biology? Right. There's too many variables. Clarify and call back. <laughs>
3: I think that that's going to be an unsatisfying answer. Sorry about that.
2: I don't know. I mean, there's it is too much. I, listen, uh, on its face, I would say yes. Eventually, eventually, yes. That it would be um, if people in power, like women aren't altruistic on their faces. It isn't it, like deep rooted in their nature. They're more altruistic than men. It, it's That's not the way. They're human beings too, but they're not in power eventually yeah i think the power would overtake uh the the justice of it you think that's wrong
3: well no i just think that we or you just like
2: look at me like smirkily
3: i think that we need to get jordan b peterson's opinion <laughs> on this i think that he would have a really great answer yeah yeah that would satisfy
2: all right well thanks for the call john from pencil we appreciate it listen uh no one more voice uh, let's go with an email yeah. okay
3: i loved this uh <laughs> this email because it's about hate listening not to our show oh another show and i i knew this was a thing that people do and i'm so glad that
2: someone else else does it do you do it too
3: no i don't do it but i have suspected that people do it to us oh yes Um, (laughs) because of things that have happened in the past. Okay. Hi, Jesse and Brittany. I wanted to follow up on the conversation from episode 380 with regard to Rob Porter. You had mentioned that he had ties to the Mormon church and that the church was less than sympathetic to his victims' claims. I happen to be hate listening to Glenn Beck today, and I thought you would enjoy Beck's verbal... Is there
2: any other kind of listening to Glenn Beck?
3: I thought you would enjoy Beck's verbal tap dancing when Porter's church status was brought up. Beck, a fellow Mormon, stumbled and stammered about how his church would handle such such accusations. It definitely made my day. Thanks for the great podcast. Brittany, of course, is the best part.
2: Wow. Wasn't ready.
6: Love the show. Brittany's the best part.
2: Not used to uh, so hearing you say it.
3: Is Glenn Beck still
2: a thing? Mormon? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I don't know why Mormon. I thought that he deconverted.
3: Was he raised Mormon or he converted to Mormonism? He converted
2: to Mormon- Mormonism as an alcoholic. Mm. Um living in Seattle. You know, there's a higher when He was an
3: adult. as, as, an, as adult, an adult, yeah, as an
2: adult man, right, mm. right. So yeah, he he converted. Mm. Cool. All right.
3: <laughs> Good times.
2: Uh, well, that is interesting. It, it, it's also interesting—not really great interesting—but Rob Porter, Mormon, mm-hmm. and the church. Apparently, the reports are uh, did a pretty fair job of covering up for him throughout his life as well, because he was a man on a mission, quote unquote, not a real mission of the church, but he was a uh, he was on a, a very high level career track,
6: mm-hmm. Rhodes
2: Scholar, Harvard grad. And the church was uh, higher ups in the church were covering up for his poor behavior, his criminal behavior abusive behavior
3: right, and telling his uh wife to consider his career ambitions, yeah. and where he could possibly be going, yeah let's get to taking the, action
2: let's I have one more voicemail, but it's more funny, so let's get to this next email because it's a little bit more serious. I don't want to break up the
3: the vibe, yeah. Hey, Jesse and Brittany, I have two stories for you that may shed some more light on why I'm going to side with the mother who's teaching her girls about strictly enforcing boundaries.
2: Again, this is the the rude teaching your daughters to be rude, your children to be rude. Mm -hmm. The provocative title.
3: The email continues and that they don't have to just sit there and take harassment just to not disrupt the Zen of things. When I was 13, I had already started developing breasts and looked older than I was, at least from the shoulders down. I went on a trip to Italy with my family, and during a visit to the beach while playing in the waves with my sister, a guy much older than me started waving. I ignored him the first few times, hoping desperately that he was waving at someone else, but eventually he came over to me. I said hello, or he said hello and asked my age. I said 13, hoping this would make him go away, but he seemed unfazed, even when he responded that he was 33. Wow. He asked me to meet him, and I said no. I was on vacation with my family. He asked when I was leaving, and I said the next day. He then backed off, said he would love to meet me tonight, but if I was busy, that's okay. He then went back to his friend, but still kept looking at me. I went over to my mom, who saw what what had happened, and I asked if we could leave. As we started to pack up, my sister asked where we were leaving and my mom, why we were leaving, and my mom in a mocking slash joking voice said, Emma got scared by the guy who was talking to her. She said it like she was teasing me, like there was nothing to worry about. I was 13, getting hit on by a man in his 30s, and I was terrified. She took that as me overreacting to some male attention, like that's what I got for putting on a bikini. I felt let down by my mother. Like, I'd have to face these things alone, and years later, I was proven right again. Last summer, I went to my fiancé's family reunion. There was a man there who reminded me of that playboy man who looked like a douche who would surround himself with women. (laughs) One day, as we were waiting to take family pictures, he came up far too close and backed me into a poll asking me if I've been taking pretty pills. He then said if he was a couple decades older and we met in a club, he'd have me out of there in a minute. The distress was evident on my face. I looked at my fiancé who was four feet away sitting in a chair. He did nothing, just looking bewildered. I looked to my right where my fiancé's mother was looking at me and raised her eyebrows, acknowledging my look of distress but made no move to help me. The next day I was told, that's just who he is and don't worry about it. I was scared to death and everyone told me that A, my discomfort was trumped by the fact that he was just that way. B, I basically have to accept it and smile through it. People don't give a fuck what women or girls go through because they don't want to confront, that, they don't want to confront people that could be a problem. They want, us to, they want us women to smile through it and move on. I wish someone had either stood up for me or told me at a young age that it's okay for me to stand up to people like those two men. Cheers, Emma.
2: Wow. It really uh, parallels... A lot of what you were talking about
3: Mm -hmm.
2: growing up and having that that time in your life that you recognize you remember Mm
3: -hmm.
2: when when grown men started paying attention to you and creeping you out.
3: Yeah, I didn't even have boobs because remember Britney S. Flato,
2: (laughs) Brittany S. Flato, Uh... (laughs) the young the taunt of of Brittany Page is a child.
3: Yes. Well, in middle school um that's a child well i'm just clarifying um yes so this this was this is a sad story though and i think this is what a a lot of young girls experience where it just isn't taken seriously that they have these concerns and that oh he's just like that and he's gonna touch you and he's gonna make you feel uncomfortable and oh that's just how he is (laughs) no that's not how he is and uh i shouldn't have to deal with it no one should have to deal with it he should stop being like that. Yes,
2: but parents should do a better job. Yeah. Think about the things that you say to your kids; they're going to fucking stick with them, or very well could stick with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, that's Ma- making light of the the angst that Emma was feeling. Right. The terror. The fear.
3: Of a thirty-three-year-old man coming on to her when she's thirteen.
2: Thirty. When you're thirteen, thirty-three is an old man. Yeah. I I don't know. I just think it's uh, it was shitty of Emma's mom to do that.
3: Yeah, and, uh, and e-
2: e- even if now it's likely that it was not, you know, just absent-mindedly making fun or whatever, but. It's dickish. It's not good. It's not forward thinking.
3: Yeah, that's why the reaction to the article was so strange to me. And um, like I said, I think it was some of the men that had a negative reaction were kind of thinking that rude was the trigger there yeah but we told that story of the the um, groom of the wedding chasing me and my friend that yeah. was around 13
2: yeah
7: that was
3: around 13 when that happened and wow. he was getting married he was an adult man he was
2: married it was the reception oh
3: yeah he was he had married just
2: gotten married yeah
3: and in then, his
2: wedding tuxedo
3: right and then decided to chase me and my friends
2: he wanted to be the fanciest child molester in Boise at the time
3: yeah um
2: Fanciest dressed.
3: Yeah. And luckily, my mom handled that in a way that...
2: <laughs> it's one of the times where your mom has that unique skill of trashery that she broke out that was awesome.
3: Yeah. And called him a child molester.
2: To the cops. Yes. And well, the and bride. Him.
3: And yes, the bride. Um,
2: <laughs> Not my fault you married a fucking child molester. <laughs> that's the quote. <laughs>
3: Listen, my my mom has many flaws and one of one of them is not how she um, taught me to be when I was growing up in terms of all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I felt like my mom could protect me if something bad was happening, I would run to her and I felt like she could help me because she was strong and scary fear
2: (laughs) going to jail.
3: She also was not afraid to go to jail.
2: (laughs) Sometimes that could be a plus, man. Yeah,
3: sometimes that's good. Um, So there were several times throughout my um, teenage years where men came up to me and in public places. And one happened in um, a parking lot in, in the middle of the night at a hotel here in Southern California. and he circled me and was looking me up and down and asked me if I wanted to go party. And I was like 14 and I was like, no. And I started running away is running after me. And I found my mom and she's like, Hey, get the fuck out of here. Right. You know, just not didn't even he say
2: to your mom. Yeah. I just want to party with your daughter. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. She's just like, get the fuck out of here. She doesn't want to
2: party with you. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so I always had it validated. Um, and I think that that's a, a good message for young girls to receive when they're growing up. And it's a bummer that Emma didn't have that. But I think that, she obviously is seeing now what she should have learned from her parents, yeah. right? And it, even with this situation with her fiance and uh, fiance's mother watching what happened, um, men just shouldn't be allowed to do this stuff.
2: Well, it also, I think, this new, newer, younger generation maybe is a little bit more introspective and in realizing these moments, and maybe they'll carry that when Emma, if she chooses to have children. We'll go on and be able to say, I'm going to do things a little differently. I'm going to be more um, cognizant of the things I say. I'm going to be more aware. I'm going to be more um, cognitive, cerebral, yeah, deliberate. Mm-hmm. Should I think of some more?
3: No, I think we got it. <laughs> but thank you for sharing, Emma. You
2: very much. Thank you for sharing, Emma. All right, the last voicemail is from perennial funny guy, Chris from Tennessee, last episode when we dropped the voicemail, maybe it was even, uh, or the email, or the number, god damn. Um, <laughs> Brittany Page made an admonition that, look, you could call about anything. Yeah. Previous episodes, Uh-oh. whatever topic. And I think that is the impetus for this call because he hearkens back to episode 248.
6: Hey guys, this is Chris from Tennessee. I'm just getting around to listen to episode 248, the debate with uh, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. And I agree, I think Donald Trump would be a disaster as a president. <laughs> but who knows, I could be wrong. Anyway, I guess I'm going to be banned, but uh, Brittany's the best part. Love to show Brittany's the
3: best part. Bye. Chris That's from great. Tennessee
2: is a very funny, funny guy.
3: Yeah, well, we did that to ourselves because we said that... You could call about any of the episodes.
2: You said that.
3: Well, you've said that before.
2: I stopped saying it, apparently. Okay. Anyway, if you, too, would like to sound off, call about anything your heart desires, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email that voice memo from your smartphone.
0: Has to be a smartphone. I doubt it at Dolamore.com. Jordan. Jordan.
3: Upped his pledge on Patreon. Upped his
2: pledge on Patreon. And
3: then we have two new Patreon supporters. Ferb Dog. Ferb Dog? That's what it says.
2: Ferb Dog. Thank you very much.
3: And Chris. Chris. And then we got... It's not
2: Chris Dog or...
3: No, just Chris. And then (laughs) we got a donation on PayPal. That was very nice. A
2: year. Years worth of donation.
3: Yes. From Daryl.
2: Daryl in Georgia.
3: And he sent a little note with it, so we thought we would read that note. What's wrong with me today? The
2: only method... It's not the only method is Patreon. You can also do PayPal, and there's buttons on the site. Our like fifth grade designed... Website. You do what you gotta do. You do what you gotta do.
3: This is for the year since I missed the monthly donation for January, dorking around with a new puppy. I really enjoy I'm really enjoying listening to you guys dearly and you literally help me survive living in the backwards thinking south. Jesse, cue the banjo music. I have a ton to say, but this isn't the forum. Love the show. Brittany is the best part. Jesse, you're a close fourth. Audience is second, and Drew is third. Love the show, Brittany's the best part. Bye. Bye <laughs> two-year-long <laughs> two listener, first-time supporter, Dat Boy Duffy from Warner Robins, Georgia.
2: All right, thank you, Dat Boy Duffy. We appreciate your year years worth of donation on 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 PayPal. Yeah. Uh, this was actually last 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 show. We should have talked about this. Yeah. And it just got lost in the... We have a certain workflow.
3: Yeah. Anyway. I do want to say I was confused by the January monthly donation thing, missing it. You can join Patreon anytime. Um, You don't have to get in at a certain time. It's any day. Yeah,
2: it's not like open enrollment with health insurance. Yeah,
3: you can just jump in there and you're good to go.
2: We shouldn't uh, blow our proverbial wad now. We can talk about it. Uh, oh wait, yeah, we already played the Patreon midroll. We, we
3: did. So, see what's wrong with you today? I don't
2: know. <laughs> Apparently this coffee cup that I'm drinking from is filled with bourbon. That
3: is a fact.
2: Well, it's half filled with bourbon. Half filled. So, what do you say we move on with the program?
3: It sounds like a great idea. <laughs>
2: Democracy facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. (laughs) So, I, I never know certain things I don't want to talk about because it's gossipy, it's fucking weird, it's bullshit. And Omarosa Manigault Newman is one of those bullshit, gossipy soap opera e morons
3: well this whole this whole deal feels like a soap opera it's like a reality show yes. anyway well, so th- that's what
2: maybe that's why we're well, we're going to talk about this because I've been asked maybe a million times, slightly less than a million, but a lot of times
3: what your opinion is of Omarosa yeah,
2: what do you think about that <laughs> uh,
3: fuck i i don't hey, well it's such it's such a <laughs> complex issue, I mean. <laughs> How do you feel about her? There's so many things. Someone
2: reached out to me today and was like, hey, what do you think about DACA? I'm like, I think you should listen to the podcast. That's what I think. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So anyway, Omarosa, apparently she's on Celebrity Big Brother. I couldn't tell you what network. It just, even this like 38 or 40 second clip you're getting ready to hear, this is not a show I would want to watch. This this sounds like a fucking nightmare to me. Huh. This to me is what a North Korean gulag would be like. <laughs> they just put celebrity fucking, uh, uh, big brother on it's big brother, right? Yeah. They put that on and I it just stick me in a cell and I would like chew off my own tongue.
3: So it's, um, it's a bunch of celebrities like living in a house, right? And then they just record what they do in the house. Do they leave the house or do they have to stay in the house? I
2: don't know. The, I've never seen it. I've never seen it either. But listen, listen to this. Oh, uh, uh, Amaro, I almost said Obama. Uh, Amarosa apparently turning on the Trump administration.
8: Like I was haunted by tweets every single day. Like, what is he going to tweet next? Does anybody say to him, "What are you doing"? I, mean, I tried to be that person, and then all of the people around him attacked me. You know, I'd like to say not my problem, but I can't say that because like, it's bad. Should we be worried?
2: <laughs> the music. Uh. I know. It's like fucking shark meat. Don't say
3: that. No. Because oh, we no. are worried, but I need you to say, no, it's going to be okay. No, it's going to not be okay. It's not.
2: Seriously.
3: That music is amazing.
2: It's like there's a guy in a, in a broken shark cage underwater yeah, yeah. and the great white is approaching. Yeah,
3: exactly. God damn. But everyone's talking about how they are whispering. They're sitting on a couch talking to each other and they're whispering. When they have microphones right, on, right. it doesn't matter if you're whispering.
8: Hey, Brittany, did you did you listen to that clip that we just
3: played? Yeah, it would be like so. We're doing the live stream right now for the Patreon supporters. It would be like if if we started whispering into the mics right. about the audience. Hey, Brittany. <laughs> I fucking hate those people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say that. I really like that they give us their money, but fuck those fuckers. <laughs> okay, this is getting out of hand. Um it it would be it would be like that, right? This is
2: getting out of hand. And
3: but Omarosa is used to doing this kind of stuff because yeah. she is a reality. TV show personality. No, that is her qualification. <laughs> what, what is happening to me today? That
2: is her qualification. And here's, he, here's my answer to anyone else who wondered what the fuck oh, we yeah, thought about. Oh, I'm it. eagerly awaiting yeah. this.
3: What is it? It is You this. love her and think she's amazing and she should be... <laughs>
2: let me know when you're she done. She should be president. Now I'll take a drink. You let me know you're, when you're done. You're
3: going to start the campaign, Omarosa 2020. Hashtag.
2: Hashtags at the beginning.
3: <laughs> so... <laughs>
2: Yeah, it is. Amorosa 2020, hashtag. <laughs> well, That's fr- not how that works. I
3: forgot the hashtag, and I thought I would just throw it in there. At the end. Yeah, doesn't matter. So he,
2: here, here's what I think. And there's probably a scant number out there in the audience who care about what the fuck I think or thought to ask. You just
3: said a million people were asking. I
2: said less than a million, yeah. fewer than a million. Well,
3: whatever, plenty.
2: It's this. I didn't trust what Amorosa said before. Why would I all of a sudden believe what she says Just because it's anti-Donald Trump. Right. Perfect. She's a piece of shit before. She's still a conniving piece of shit now who is there to promote herself and her self-interest.
3: Well, listen to the music, please. This is what they wanted. They want this so that people will watch their dumb show that no one's watching because no one cares about Chuck Liddell.
2: Chuck Liddell? He's on that
3: show, right? I think he was on an advertisement that I saw. Is he on it?
2: I think so. I mean, you're saying it. I'm going to go with yes. Okay. Chuck Liddell. Mm -hmm. A-list movie star.
3: I'm probably just lashing out because I asked to get a selfie with him one time.
2: Yeah. Why don't you tell the story about you (laughs) seeing him at the Grove in LA and you don't go like, hey, Chuck. What'd you say?
3: Hey, Chuck Liddell. Hey, Chuck Liddell. Okay. (laughs) So, well, when I first moved here, I was wanting to get as many photos with celebrities as I could because I would post them and people were all impressed that I was like meeting all these celebrities.
2: And you're, you know, from a small town in Idaho.
3: Yeah. And they were like, Oh my God, I can't believe you're running into all these people. And so it was because whenever I would see them, I would just yell their full name and then ask them to, <laughs> to pose with me. That's prick shit, bro. It really is. It's um, something I would not do today. Something I would not do today. All I regret right. it.
2: So that's what I think about that. All right. What do you think, him? I think about that. That's what I think. (laughs) Hashtag. Moving on. Another Vice clip. Listen, uh, and this kind of goes along with the Jordan B. Peterson thing.
3: Yeah. About
0: uh,
2: vague language. Um, Goddamn. Donald Trump. Listen, I try to give a little bit of funny every episode because otherwise we're all just going to be wallowing in our tears in a sullen depression. Yeah. Unable to function in our daily lives. Right. But Donald Trump is a hilarious fucking moron. Is he not? Yeah. Here's something that Vice put together where Donald Trump is saying, I'm not going to say, and then proceeds to say
7: it. And I'll tell you what... I didn't think I'd say this, but I'm going to say it. I won't say he was an older fellow, but he was an older fellow. I'm not going to say anybody didn't do well. They didn't do well. I refuse to say it's Bobby Knight, but it's Bobby Knight. Now, I won't say it was because of me, but it was. Okay. I'm not going to say that was me, but believe me, it was me. I'm not going to say Jeb is low energy, but he's pretty low. I won't say that they all said he's our favorite, but they did. He's our favorite. I refuse to say it was a scam tonight, all right? This way they can't report that I said it. I refuse to say that he's a lightweight, okay. I will not say he's low energy, I will not say it. I can't say this in front of uh, Sean, but lie Ted. I won't tell you what he did because he actually grabbed one by the shirt, but I won't say that. I won't say it with CNN, okay? I refuse to say in this room because I say it outside and I get standing ovations, but this is a room I won't do it, but it's a rigged system. It's a rigged system. And she also sent a tweet out at 3 o'clock in the morning, but I won't even mention that. She also said irredeemable, but we won't mention that. We got very high ratings, by the way, but I won't mention that. The one debate I missed, it was the lowest rated debate, by the way, but I won't say that. We have more people here than they do, but we won't say that. I always come out way above everybody else on the economy. And on leadership, by the way, but I won't say that. It's my strongest thing, according to the people that know me best. I won't even say it myself. I think maybe even if I was going to say it, my temperament is the best. Well, I did. know how to you win. Just, you but just is... say it yourself, though, That's just a point okay, <laughs> okay, no, 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 But I, I want a little myself, more definition of to.
3: So that was Bill O'Reilly. Even
2: Bill O'Reilly shitting in his mouth.
3: Yeah. Um, what, what is wrong with this person? Every time he talks, every time he tweets, I just think, what is wrong with this person? And I'm not speaking clinically. Yeah, I'm no, just he, saying he
2: is a terrible. He
3: is the worst.
2: He he is a a fragile, if not broken. And I don't again. Well, I obviously mean, I don't have to clarify. I don't mean clinically because clearly I don't mean clinically. I mean he is a weak minded, no self esteem. It's one thing if you're a, a plumber. And you're dealing with issues from childhood that cause you to to lash out at people because you don't feel good about yourself. It's another thing when you're president of the United States of America.
3: Yeah. What kind of tactic is that, though, do you think? What is he trying to do there? Do you think something he actually has something that he's trying to achieve by saying, I'm not going to say this?
2: Well, yeah, because then he can say, I didn't say it. But I he, to, but, no, I, I told you I wasn't going to say it.
3: But he did say it, so it doesn't yeah, matter. It,
2: yeah, you're using smart person logic, not Donald Trump logic. Uh-huh. <laughs> that might need to be a drop. Uh, Where is that?
8: All right.
3: I just... I I understand what you're saying, because his his supporters and the people who work for him... Will take that opportunity to say, well, he said that he didn't say that, you know, and it, well, you just wait two more seconds and then he says it. that's right, so I just don't I don't like these games i Well,
2: that's a perfect segue. Thank you, Brittany page. you're welcome. A lot of games with Donald Trump, Trump speak. yeah, we talked about Rob Porter last time, Rob Porter, uh, apparently very fond of beating the shit out of his wives, punching his wives in the face. There is documented photographic evidence. It's weird to me, thinking of a man, like, I I want to tread lightly here. Because even if you grab your wife, that's a bad thing. But to be in, be a person who will double up their fist and punch a woman in the face is anathema to me. He wasn't just grabbing someone by their wrist like Corey Lewandowski did, at, uh, which was wrong and criminal. He should have gone to jail for it. This is a special kind of asshole who voluntarily left his job. And then when Donald Trump talks about it, doesn't say, listen, we are all very appalled by what we're learning about Porter Unbelievable that he is a Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, Mr. Jekyll, Dr. Hyde, what is it?
3: Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Dr. Jekyll
2: and Mr. Hyde kind of character. He is, uh, we had no idea. This This is very unnerving for us. We're just kind of coming around on this. What's he do instead? Says nothing of the women, says nothing of the victims, and laments the hardship that this is causing for Rob Porter
4: you have a comment
7: on Mr. Porter? Thanks, Thanks, guys. Well, we wish him well. He worked very hard. I found out about it recently, and I was surprised by it. But we certainly wish him well. It's a uh, obviously tough time for him. He did a very good job when he was in the White House. Uh, and we hope he has a wonderful career. And hopefully he will have a great career ahead of him. But uh, it was very sad. When we heard about it, and certainly he's also uh, very sad. Now, he also, uh, as you probably know, he says he's innocent. And I think you have to remember that. He said very strongly yesterday that he's innocent. So you'll have to talk to him about that. But we absolutely wish him well. Did a very good job while he was at the White House. Thank you very much,
2: everybody. We wish him well. The wife beater. Sickening.
3: Well, there was no comment about the women. None. Or women that are in a similar situation. Um, Nothing about victims. Nothing. Only about him. And I will say that I believe this is strategic. So I've been thinking a lot about this, wondering why is it that he refuses to tweet anything about the victims? Why is it that he continues to protect these people every time someone is a victim of sexual assault or harassment why is he choosing the side of the the abuser that's right and it's because he will be asked well why are the accusations against rob porter legitimate and something that we should take seriously and something that caused him to be fired but the allegations against you right are not legitimate He will be asked that question.
2: I I agree with that. All these things that happened uh, recently. However, I have clips here that we're getting ready to go through, uh, specifically the one where he defends John Travolta and the accusations against him. And this was before all of this came to light relative to his impropriety and the grabbing him by the pussy and all that. You know what I mean? So I, th- I think this is just a pattern of behavior for a powerful man who sticks up for other powerful men in the course of their bad behavior.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, and he tweeted, uh, people's lives are being shattered and destroyed by a mere allegation. Some are true. A
2: mere allegation
3: some are true and some are false some are old and some are new like dr seuss i know what is this there is no recovery for green eggs and ham there is no recovery for someone falsely accused life and career are gone is there no such thing any longer as due process capitalized um well
2: first of all
8: well,
3: just
2: imagine. Pro- due process does not apply to Rob Porter because there's no criminal prosecution here. That's what due process is. That is what due process serves. That's the purpose it serves. There's no due process for keeping your job because you don't have a right to a job in the White House.
3: And I, I wasn't really listening to you because I was trying to find the tweet, so I'm not sure what you said, but I, I think that you were <laughs> you were saying that you don't totally believe that he isn't commenting on the victims. Because yeah, because then, we have
2: past examples. Right,
3: because he's always done this. But I, I would say that now he's being asked about this on a regular basis. It is a
2: strategy going forward. Right,
3: and yeah. that he, he can't break at any point because... <laughs> When he does, he's going to open himself up to those questions. Yeah. So it really is this weird place uh, where he's just going to keep digging a hole for himself, making it look worse because...
2: Because he looks like an uncaring fuck, because he is... Because he is. An uncaring fuck.
3: Right. And uh, it's just going to get worse.
2: So here he is. Here's a, a very brief clip. I have two of them. Of him defending Roger Ailes. And if you'll remember, Roger Ailes, the founder of Fox News, um, was he, he was fired by the Murdochs because of the rampant, repeated, serial nature of his abuse of women at the company he founded of Fox News. Here's Donald Trump defending his good pal, Roger Ailes.
7: I can tell you that some of the women that are complaining,
2: I know how much he's helped them. He's not even denying that what they're saying is true. He's just saying they're complaining after all he did for them. He got them jobs on TV, and then he diddled them or sexually assaulted them or harassed them or forced them to give him blowjobs. They should be grateful for all he did for them.
3: And I want everyone to remember this clip and what he said about Roger Ailes because it's actually going to come into play when we play an interview of Donald Trump from 1994 when he expresses tell- when he expresses a very similar sentiment about his wives.
7: One more time. I can tell you that some of the women that are complaining,
2: I know how much he's helped them. Disgusting. Alright, next up, same person, Roger Ailes. Listen to this.
7: I think it's so sad. He's such a great guy. Roger is... I mean, what he's done on television... He's In the history of television, he's got to be placed within the top three or four or five, and that includes the founding of the major networks. So,
2: it's too bad. This is the other thing he does a lot, which is, it's so sad that that he's being brought down because of all that he did to these women. Because look what he did. Look at his accomplishments. Look at what a, a man of power he is. Mm-hmm. All of that is being done away with because of, of, of his bad behavior.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Not, ah, I don't believe it. So far, he hasn't said that.
3: Well, you could imagine him saying this about himself, right? Of course, right? yeah. Um, well, look at everything I've built. I built this great business and...
2: Even about his presidency. Yeah, I'm
3: so successful. I've done all of this. So what is the problem?
2: Which we will come <laughs> to again, since we're we're given hints, there will be clips about him talking about Bill Clinton, mm-hmm. where he talks about Paula Jones calls her a loser and how she is taking down a president because of her allegations. Next up is him. Again, we just referenced Corey Lewandowski grabbing the arm of that um, Breitbart reporter. Listen to how Donald Trump defended him it is it is baffling. He's a good person with a
7: wonderful family, four beautiful kids, and they're destroying that man over nothing. You take a look at that tape, and she's grabbing me. Now, maybe I should press charges
2: against her. She's not supposed to be grabbing me. Corey Lewandowski assaulted that woman. For weeks, he denied having even touched her. You know, it's 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 it's, it's the the way of the world with the Trump uh, circle of people mm-hmm. where we deny, we deny, we deny. And then when there's evidence, oh, yeah, well, it happened, but it's not the way it looks. Right. And then when there's proven it is the way it looks, oh, well, it is the way it looks, but it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. That's the way they did that. Even then during the campaign, he did assault her. She had pictures of bruises on her arm. Right. Absolutely ridiculous. Here, Donald Trump is defending in the same manner. Bill O'Reilly.
7: He's a, a person I know well. He's yeah. a good person. Uh, I think he may, you know, I think he shouldn't have settled. I don't think Bill would do anything wrong.
2: I don't think he should have settled. He's, I like him. He's a good guy. I've known him a long time. I don't think he would do something wrong.
3: Well, again, this is the $32 million settlement.
2: You know, innocent men settle th- with 32 million dollars of their own money sexual harassment claims.
3: Mhm.
2: Isn't that pretty standard? No. Ugh. <laughs> Here's the one I was talking about from years ago with John Travolta.
7: Well, I think John Travolta is a great guy and it just seems to be a very unfair situation as far as I'm concerned. I think he's a terrific guy. He's a great actor. And I think it's really years and years and years later. I think it's very unfair what's going on with John Travolta.
3: So it's years and years and years later. He's talking about the accusations um, or the. The, the accusations incidents. are now,
2: but the incident
3: was right, before. The yeah. Um, from like 2000, I think the, yeah. the incidents were. And I just I don't understand this impulse other than he feels like he is. These are his people. Yeah, And he would want them to come out and support him when he's false accused in his head, falsely accused. But when he's accused um,
2: or he's trying to paint the picture that he was falsely accused, he knows in his fucking mind. Right. He wasn't false. But he's accused. like
3: speaking in a way that he would want people to speak about him. Yeah, because so. he knows that he's also guilty of these things. It's like
2: wishful thinking kind of a thing. Yeah.
3: yeah. And I don't you, you could just say I don't have a comment on John Travolta. Right, (laughs) I don't know him he's not that smart but he always goes to well no I'm going to protect these people I'm going to defend them and I don't understand why that is the default position other than you have something that you are um, trying to hide in your background or you legitimately have problematic views about women
2: including
3: because how many have you listed here I mean this is a pattern a pattern of defaulting to defend the bad people.
2: (laughs) Terrible. I mean, these are some of the worst allegations you can face. Mm -hmm. These are some of the worst crimes is victimizing people out of power. When you're a person in power, including child molesters,
5: allegedly
2: Roy Moore.
7: If you look at what, what is really going on and you look at all the things that have happened over the last 48 hours, he totally denies it. He says it didn't happen. And, you know, you have to listen to him also.
2: Unbelievable. The same thing. With an allegation as egregious as child molestation. Here he is talking about Bill Clinton back when he was a fan of Bill Clinton before he wasn't a fan of Bill Clinton.
7: Paula Jones is a loser, but the fact is that she may be responsible for bringing down a president indirectly. And, you know, that statement was a bad statement to have made, been made, and it's proven to be false. So, uh,
4: Which statement was that? I'm sorry.
7: This Paula Jones in the deposition, right. which really started this well, whole What he denied
4: thing. it, which is if you're in a hole, stop digging. Well, At well, a certain point you think, have you just sort of walk away from the deal and say, I'm not dealing here anymore, I'm going to drop this line.
7: Well, I think his little speech afterward was a disaster. It wasn't the right tone and I'm not sure he should have done it. And I'm not even sure that he shouldn't have just gone in and taken the Fifth Amendment and said, look, I don't get along with this man star. He's after me. He's a Republican. He's this. He's that. And, you know, just taking the Fifth Amendment. It's a terrible thing for a president to take the Fifth Amendment, but he probably should have done it.
2: This is particular telling to me because it is uh, likely what's going to happen here. Oh, I know it's a terrible thing for a president to take the Fifth Amendment, but he probably should have done it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Legal scholar, Donald Trump. Right. Ugh. Here's another one talking about Bill Clinton.
7: And I think Bill Clinton was a great president. You know, you look at the country then. The economy was doing great. Look at what happened during the Clinton years. I mean, we had no war. The economy was doing great. Everybody was happy. A lot of people hated him because we were jealous as hell. You know, people get jealous and they hate you. People don't like him because they're jealous of him. But Bill Clinton was a great president. I mean, I hope we can be so lucky.
3: Yeah, so he defended Bill Clinton until...
2: Until he was running against Hillary.
3: Yeah, until it wasn't um, politically useful to him to do so. He had to reverse course there a little bit. But otherwise, he would have been defending um, <laughs> the predator that is Bill Clinton.
2: Right. Well, here he is on the campaign trail when some of the allegations from women came forward. This is what he said, defending himself in the same way that you've just heard him defend all of these different men.
7: They just come out. Some are doing it for probably a little fame. They get some free fame. It's a total setup. People that are willing to say, oh, I was with Donald Trump in 1980. I was sitting with him on an airplane and he went after me on the plane. Yeah, I'm going to go after. Believe me, she would not be my first choice that I can tell you.
3: So are we going to get to the 94 interview cuz right okay cuz yeah. all of this is playing um playing to that so this is also good for people who think that Donald Trump is not the same person that he has literally always been
2: always been
3: um so he did this interview in 1994 with Nancy Collins and it was on ABC's primetime live and it was an 11 minute clip that they aired and it's on YouTube you can watch the full um, interview. We but it's, will put it
2: on the Facebook page.
3: But it's actually not the full interview. There were parts of it that were cut out. And so Nancy Collins released the transcript of the interview that she did with Donald Trump. And this was in 2016 that she released it in October. And there's some parts of it. We're going to play some of it for you now, but I want to read some parts of it that didn't actually make it into the interview that you'll see on YouTube.
2: Let's do it after, because I think what you're going to read is even worse than they're getting ready to hear right now.
4: You have said you don't want Marla to work. You actually said that on on the day of the wedding, actually.
7: I I think I'm probably mixed. I have days where I think it's great. And then I have days where if I come home and, you know, I don't want to sound too much like a chauvinist, but when I come home and dinner's not ready, I go through the roof.
2: When I come home and dinner's not ready... I go through the roof. What is that imagery? What does that bring up for you?
3: Uh, Violence.
2: That is violent behavior. Mm -hmm. I go through the roof.
4: Mm
3: -hmm.
2: I lose it. I get angry Mm
3: -hmm.
2: when dinner's not ready when I get home. Yeah. That was included in the interview. What was left out?
3: So the interviewer says, let's talk about women. Your feelings toward them seem conflicted, even chauvinistic, confusing since you adore and respect your mother so much. And he says, I have great relationships with women. My mother, Ivana, Marla, my female executives are better than the men, tougher, smarter. The interviewer says, so why in 1992 did you tell a writer for New York magazine, Marie Brenner, that, quote, you have to treat women like shit, ultimately pouring a bottle of wine down her back? He says, I didn't say that. The woman's a liar, extremely unattractive, lots of problems because of her looks. Uh... The interviewer says, that statement is exactly why women think you're a chauvinist pig. He says, they're right and not. People say, how can you say such a thing? But there's truth in it, in a modified form. Psychologists will tell you that some women want to be treated with respect, others differently. I tell friends who treat their wives magnificently, get treated like crap in return. Be rougher and you'll see a different relationship. Unfortunately, with people in general, you get more with vinegar than honey.
2: Be rougher with your wives is what he's saying there. What kind of imagery does that bring up, that language? To be rougher on your wives. This is troubling. This is the president of the United States coming off of our previous president who has an idyllic marriage, a wonderful family relationship, a virtually scandal-free administration. And we launch into this fucking shit show that we could do a four hour show every day trying to dissect everything that happens on a daily basis. It is alarming to say the least. So how are conservatives, defenders of the president, how are they dealing with all of this? There was a panel on with Joy Reid on MSNBC talking about it, and it was, well, it's likely exactly what you would expect.
8: You know, General Kelly knew about this last fall. Seeing that photo, I would one would think, if you're a person of conscience, that photo alone would give you pause oh, about having this guy stay in, in place. But you haven't just had Rob Porter. Donald Trump himself is multiple times accused Of of sexual misconduct against women. Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon Bannon has been so accused uh, by his former wife, or you have Rob Porter. You have Andrew Puzder, who had to withdraw as the nominee for the Secretary of Labor, had David Sorensen, mm-hmm. the speechwriter um, that is, is now gone. Um, you had Steve Wynn, who was the uh, finance sure. chief of the RNC. Um, it just goes on and on and on. And I guess my question to you is, as a woman, uh, as a Republican woman, what does it say to you that your party is cultivating so many of these men? And Donald Trump defends them all. Well, I don't know if he necessarily defends them all. I, I think he, in that said, tweet yes, alone, he lot, it, are being no. did not defend them. In fact, he, he, he actually said that you
3: need to be careful because a lot of these are, obviously, these are allegations. Not everyone has been found guilty, so you have to be careful. Let me ask you this question, again, Amy.
8: Was, was Donald Trump careful when he and uh, his friend Roger Stone brought the accusers of bill clinton something that was adjudicated to the into the tens of millions of dollars by the american mm-hmm. taxpayer he brought those women uh to one of the debates just as a way to troll hillary clinton i don't think that he was mm-hmm. being careful then uh, he certainly wasn't careful uh when it well, came you to just al pointed franken pointed out a
3: democrat who obviously mishandled women inappropriately right, but so bill trump clinton didn't was feel, one of them but Donald i don't think trump this is a republican feel or democrat trump issue didn't this feel is an that
8: issue that of men power who who are out of control right and donald trump doesn't seem to have a problem with the republican ones right oh i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i I has he ever stood up for women against an abusive man can you name any instance where he stood up to a republican man who's accused of abusing women just one well i don't talk to him on a regular basis i mean publicly he tweets every uh, day you don't have to talk to him this is is the the problem he found out that one of the accusers was he didn't he supported roy moore to the bitter Uh, end let me let jennifer rubin in jennifer so she didn't have
3: a, an answer. No.
2: Well, she doesn't talk to him every day, Brittany. She
3: did not have an answer. Brittany,
2: she doesn't talk to him every day. That should settle it.
3: Could not provide an example, <laughs> which seems like a problem. And you could tell by the look on her face that she <laughs> she knew that she was kind of screwed in that line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but she couldn't come up with an example because where are they? Who has he denounced?
2: I. Who has he? Uh, uh, Al Franken?
3: Right. Who has he denounced that's a Republican?
2: There hasn't been one.
3: Yeah. No. A- one. And the reason he denounced Al Franken, keeping with my theory, is because Al Franken admit admitted that he did something wrong. Right. He came out and said, I. He was
2: able to do so, you mean. Yes. Yeah. And
3: so he could point to that if he were asked, well, why is this legitimate with Al Franken and these other ones not? Well, he admitted that he did something wrong. Even when he talks about Rob Porter, well, you have to you have to take this into consideration. He said he didn't do it. So you have to, he said that about Roy Moore as well. I guess if you deny it, then that's all that matters.
2: Well, in the childish mind of Donald Trump, yes. Yeah. So we're going to wrap this thing with Steve Bannon. This is JTAP talking about Steve Bannon, interviewing a guy who wrote a book on Steve Bannon, just released an updated version of that book called The Devil's Bargain, I think is the name of it. But Steve Bannon, and listen, this kind, this may seem initially to fly in the face of what I was talking about earlier with uh, Omarosa, like she's in the back mm, room. I'm mm-hmm. motioning behind me yeah. like she's behind me.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but it's not because
0: the,
2: w- Steve Bannon believes that the Me Too movement would likely be what brings Donald Trump down. And he doesn't mean just nationally, because I don't believe uh, Steve Bannon really has his finger on the pulse. Of the national political uh, psyche, Mm -hmm. if you will. But he certainly does on that shitlord facet of politics. That Uh alt-right facet. That crazy right-wing Pepe the Frog facet of politics. He does know. And if he believes this could take him down, I think it's time to sit up and pay attention. President
9: Trump put himself in the middle of the backlash surrounding the handling of domestic abuse allegations against now former White House staffer Rob Porter, defending Porter in an Oval Office meeting and appearing to take issue with the broader Me Too movement, perhaps, by saying, quote, people's lives are being shattered by a mere allegation, unquote. It all plays right into new comments from ousted Trump aide Steve Bannon, who is now predicting that the Me Too movement might be powerful enough to bring down President Trump. Journalist Joshua Green is out with a brand-new edition of his book, Devil's Bargain. Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and the storming of the presidency. And Green is here now to discuss the new items he has in the preface. And and before we get to your book, Joshua, I just want to ask you about the current turmoil in the West Wing. Uh, You have Chief of Staff John Kelly uh, making it clear that he's willing to resign if President Trump wants him to. Um, Kelly uh, hired to come in and, you know, restore order or create order for the first time. Um, And yet, uh, that hasn't necessarily happened in every case. One of the things he did, one of the first things he did was try to get Steve Bannon out the door... Um, It doesn't seem like the White House is in as full control as they had hoped. What's going on?
5: No, it doesn't. And what's worrisome about this recent episode is it really harkens back to the early days of administration when there was a kind of unchecked chaos in the West Wing, and Kelly was coming in uh, supposedly to fix that. Now, when he came in, uh, there were really two things he had to think about. One, how do you manage Trump? And he essentially decided... I'm not going to try and do that. What I'm going to do instead is try and manage the White House staff. And for a time, it seemed as though that was working, although we can see from the recent allegations against Rob Porter, uh, others against da- uh, spousal abuse, others against David and another senior uh, White House official, that uh, clearly the staff isn't being managed properly. And you can see... Uh, from all uh, the drama and the contradictory statements last week surrounding what happened, who knew, why they didn't do something further, uh, and even Trump's own
9: unwillingness to express any kind of sympathy with these victims, that uh, things are still in a state of chaos. Um, in the wake of all the turmoil, the president's been reaching out to confidants, including former fired White House staffers. What has the relationship between Steve Bannon and President Trump been since Bannon was pushed out the door?
5: Well, you know, initially it was, it was pretty good publicly. I mean, one of the stories I tell in my book is the day that, that, that Bannon was pushed out. And this wasn't public at the time, but uh, he was very angry about it, refused to take Trump's phone calls, uh, and said at one point, you know, I, I'm, I'm sick of being a wet nurse to a 71-year-old man. I mean, he <laughs> had as many doubts and frustrations, I think, about Trump's fitness to be president uh, as a lot of other uh, advisors around Trump And so uh, Bannon also recognized, though, that if he were going to continue to have a voice in national politics, if he were to be able to lead this nationalist movement, which has been his project all along, he had to be seen as a Trump ally. And so he positioned himself
9: as this outside resistance leader supposedly fighting on Trump's behalf. In the paperback release of the new book, you talk about watching the Golden Globe Awards with Steve Bannon, and you got his reaction to the red carpet protests supporting the Me Too movement. He said, quote... The anti-patriarchy is going to undo 10,000 years of recorded history. You watch. The time has come. Women are going to take charge of society, and they couldn't juxtapose a better villain than Trump. He is the patriarch. This is a definitional moment in the culture. It'll never be the same going forward. I think Bannon, despite all his flaws, is a pretty shrewd analyst
5: of American politics, and particularly American political anxieties, our national anxieties, and he recognized In those Golden Globe Awards, that this was a movement that could potentially uh, be an existential threat to Republicans, not just their majority in the House, but also to President Trump. And there's a uh, wonderful, revealing moment of Freudian angst in the scene, as I described Bannon, watching Oprah, uh, where he says, look, if, if they were to roll out a guillotine right now, These ladies would chop off every set of balls in the room, which is which is a blunt Bannon way of saying essentially, you know, this Me Too movement. They're coming for our manhood. And I think that expressed uh, a lot of the anxieties that Bannon, that Trump, that people of that political persuasion have about this this new rising movement of, of women. Uh, which is really a backlash
9: to the man that that Bannon calls the patriarch, Trump himself. I didn't know that they made guillotines that size, but okay. (laughs) One quick thing. What are his thoughts on Oprah herself?
5: Bannon thinks that Oprah could actually tilt the House to Democrats in 2018 if she were to get out there on the campaign trail, that essentially she is such a galvanizing figure, as we saw at the Golden Globe Awards, that if she were to get out there, she'd draw women to the polls. That's the real threat to Republicans in the short term, and Bannon fears that if they do... Uh, win back the House, that they could turn around and impeach Trump. So maybe Oprah holds the key to Trump's political... Or at least the key to the guillotine.
9: Or at least the key to the- <laughs> Josh Green, thank you so much for being here.
3: Well, why is... Why is... Shump. <laughs> does Does Steve Bannon seem worried about this, or is he just making a prediction and...
2: Well, I don't think it was a, like a, a declarative statement. He was sitting down watching um, with this writer who writes books about her, has written a book about him. Um, I don't know. I, I think he's spot on with uh, where I believe Oprah should do or where she should go relative to politics and not run for office, but influence politics from outside.
3: Mm-hmm. What about the Me Too movement abolishing the patriarchy?
2: I'm okay with that. I'm okay with not having a patriarchy. Is that so. gonna
3: happen though? Um, no,
2: but I think we're it's it's steps in the right direction.
3: Mm-hmm. And do you think Donald Trump is the patriarch?
2: I think uh <laughs> being the forty fifth of forty five presidents, he represents the patriarchy. Yes. Mm. Right? Wouldn't well, you think? well
3: he was saying it as though he is the oh. He is the one. Yeah,
2: because Steve Bannon wants to paint Donald Trump as this alpha male, er, you know that that whole alt right weirdo douchey, Jordan B Peterson. Here we are, full circle, kind of a with thing with the beta
3: alpha yeah, male. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Even though Steve Bannon, I come on, all of these men who act like he, here. <laughs> Here's the deal with all of these dudes who exhibit what what people commonly refer to as toxic masculinity. They're not masculine men. These are are just, they're fucking posers. It's not true talk. Maybe it's toxic because it's not real. Because real masculinity isn't toxic. It isn't a danger. It's just what it is. You know what I mean? Like, I am a masculine man. And I bawled my eyes out for an hour straight watching three separate episodes of This Is Us last night. Mm. I'm not, that doesn't mean I'm not masculine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I just, these, this, these types who, who want to tout their masculinity, you know, like, it's, it, they're, they're acting as though it is something that it is not. Mm-hmm. Am I wrong?
3: Well, I don't know what they say it is, so I don't know what Jordan... Well, they're never
2: clear about I don't
3: know what Jordan B. Peterson's 12 rules are. Not going to buy the book. One
2: of them stand up straight. I won't
3: know. Okay. Um, I do that, so I guess I'm pretty masculine.
2: Taking care of biz right there. Um,
3: I, <laughs> I I, don't know what they're talking about. Typically, when I hear men talking about that and the things that make you a real man, it's very bad things. Um,
2: Again, I don't believe they are real
3: like, like really the,
2: masculine. That's like, not a masculine like thing. Like
3: victimizing women and and not how, how much can you get over on your your lads or yeah, whatever? Like, cowardice. like those are the types of behavior that I I hear people talking about. And um, you know how Donald Trump talks in private about women. Is yes. is that manly? Right, that's locker room talk. That's no, how men talk. It is not. It, so it any any time I hear someone saying this is how men should be or this is what men do, I think of it as as those things. So that's why I'm automatically turned off well, when I start hearing that.
2: <laughs> we real men need to fucking take it back. That word. If you act like that, you're not being a masculine person. You're being a fucking jerk off. You're being a weak. Coward! You're being a low self esteem beta cock, Brittany Page. Mm.
3: <laughs> there it is.
2: All right. Speaking of weak beta male c- uh, beta cucks, let's uh let's wrap this up, Brittany Page. It's the asshole of today. A
3: Kevin Swanson.
2: Kevin Swanson.
3: And we talked about it at the beginning of the live stream, but not on the beginning of the show. So we will um, <laughs> re...
2: talk about it. Yeah,
3: okay. Um, we've been talking about Kevin Swanson on the show for quite a while. He Maybe
2: since episode number one.
3: He's a conservative Christian. Is he a pastor?
2: I think he likes to fancy himself a pastor. Okay, but he
3: has like a radio show. That's right. And he has... Terrible beliefs, but he's often invited to Republican events where he's on stage praying, and he attended an event with Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee. and
2: He hosted an event that they appeared at. Exactly. At which he called for the death of homosexuals. And... In accordance with Levitican law.
3: And on the show, this show, we have referred to him as the truth wiener.
2: He's the original truth wiener. He's the
3: original truth wiener. And which we
2: might might need to explain the test.
3: I'm going to explain, although <laughs> I, I will say that this, this research is dated and I don't know if this was ever replicated, so I probably shouldn't talk about it, but we'll just talk about no, it. No, no,
2: well let's talk about it in reference to the the first couple episodes of the show that we did well, yeah, four it's based, years ago. It's based
3: on a study though. Right.
2: Well th- we talked about this. This is how it came up. Truth wiener
3: I'm just saying I don't know if it's been replicated, okay, but this is the the research that <sighs> they um they they gave men some sort of measure about uh homophobic attitudes. And those who had more homophobic attitudes tended to respond more th- via penis right. when they watched uh, gay porn.
8: So
2: l- l- let me give the Jesse rundown.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So they, they brought a bunch of dudes into, a, into a, a, a study. They quizzed them. They gave them a survey. And the ones that, that had more problematic attitudes about homosexuality, um, well, they hooked them all up. To like some kind of a little like a, a measurement device on their dick, mm-hmm. and then they showed them gay porn, and somehow the 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 caliper or whatever registered movement on the dick when someone got a, a mildly aroused by gay porn, and so the ones who had the most aggressive attitudes anti homosexual, their dick moved the most. Their dick got a little bit chub, and so I say that the wiener doesn't lie.
3: Okay, yeah.
2: And so, so guys who have aggressive anti homosexual attitudes are they're truth wiener's because if you hook them up to the machine, their dick's going to be flying off the charts. With the blood flow.
3: And I haven't looked at that study for a long time, but I believe it had a very small sample size. Um, (laughs) I I think there were other, other issues with it. And like I said, I haven't checked to see if this effect wow, is replicating. Wow, there's a lot, but,
2: of, a lot of explaining. But
3: I, well, I just want to say, be, so yeah. don't necessarily take it as fact that that's a reality. I mean, this is what was found. And so along with that. I vouch for this study. We <laughs> thought the study was, was humorous. And <laughs> so and yes. so we adopted the label truth wiener. Yeah. And that is why Kevin Swanson has that name.
2: So yes. all of that to say, the truth wiener. Hashtag truth wiener, or as Brittany would say, truth hashtag. Kevin Swanson has weighed in to this Larry Nassar controversy. He's weighed in to this gymnastics on mass molestation problem. And he doesn't have a rational view about it, shockingly enough.
0: Sports tends to focus on the body. And I think we need to understand this as well. There is an infatuation with the body. And this is the way it was with the Greeks as well. They become very interested in the body. And, of course, the sexual aspect of the body as well. And some sports encourage immodesty, revealing large portions of the body. And this happens in, in some sports. So These are the risky sports. Mm-hmm. Here they are. What are the risky sports? Gymnastics. Gymnastics, swimming. These are These are the sports in which there is an added risk. And again, friends, I'm, I'm, I'm laying this out for you. Why are all of the gymnasts um, more of a risk than other sports? In fact, the Indie Star did an article just last year. You might remember this article. It was an expose on this very thing. And it was these news articles concerning gymnastics that I think got some of this to the surface by the providence of God. Now, I'm thankful that some of this sin is coming to the surface because, you know, at some point, God is not going to put up with 20 years of this, and he's going to pull the trigger. The civil magistrate won't. The media will, because by the sovereignty of God, he's going to bring this thing to the surface. I'm thankful he did. The Indy Star was the first, uh, one of the first newspapers to, to address this. They found, get this, 368 gymnasts who were molested. Do you really want your daughters involved in a sport that involves a fair amount of immodesty? In, in, which, in which red-blooded American male coaches are interacting with these girls. Or, worse yet, where the infatuation of the body eventually affects the lesbian coaches.
3: Worse yet?
2: Worse yet, Brittany. Worse yet. It's one thing if a, if a man sexually violates a child, a female child, but oh my God... Hold on to your hats, folks. If a lesbian does it, it's even worse.
3: Yeah. Um, I think we
2: can see why he's asshole of today.
3: Well, I I don't understand why anyone listening to the show didn't immediately take a step back, reevaluate their decision making and say, I don't think I should be listening to this person who is making excuses saying that a child is wearing revealing clothing and... Red-blooded American men.
0: Red-blooded American male coaches.
3: What, what?
0: Right, it's almost like,
2: well, why wouldn't they? They're red-blooded American coaches. Of course they're going to be titillated by prepubescent girls who are immodestly dressed. Fuck this guy.
3: It. It's so... It's so strange that we are still having to have this conversation with children children can't even wear a leotard to do gymnastics it's
2: immodest Brittany. right it's immodest they can't
3: go swimming in a bathing suit right and and these Th- those are, the, are
2: the danger sports these he said. these
3: are the people who complain about um islamic culture and are concerned that it's right it's, it's going to be here sharia law right
2: where all women will have to wear burqas and dress modestly.
3: Yeah, he seems pretty concerned with modesty. He doesn't want girls, children.
2: He'd, he'd fall right in line with the imams. With the r- sounds.
3: Risky sports. There shouldn't be any risky sports, okay? I'll kids, tell you the riskiest kids, sport, it's
2: football, where people are fucking committing suicide because of brain injuries.
3: Kids should be able to play sports and not have to worry about their male coaches touching them or raping them. That, that's, that's the conversation that he should be having. He shouldn't be talking about the leotards and the bathing suits. It's the male coaches. Focus on the red-blooded American male coaches. That's Red what you need to focus on.
0: American male coaches. Uh, he's the fucking worst. I
2: am very grateful he doesn't have a larger platform than he does. He is the fucking worst. We will link to his Twitter if you'd like to reach out to him. We will uh we'll we'll put this on the Facebook page. We listen, we're gonna end it there. We've gone a little long, that's okay. Seems to be uh, a welcome happens, happenstance when it does. Uh, we love you guys. We appreciate you. Listen, if you'd like to support the show, the live streams, the the the, the the Google Hangout calls, those are all aspects that you can get when you support the show, help produce the show on Patreon, or as Daryl did, on PayPal. You can go to dollamore.com slash Patreon. You can go to dollamore.com slash PayPal. You can go to dollamore.com slash Amazon, where you all you have to do is just buy stuff that you'd normally buy on Amazon, and that also helps support the show. If you'd like to buy uh, a mug or a tote or a t-shirt, you can do that at dollamore.info. All of it goes to support the show. We love you guys. We will see you next time. If you'd like to communicate in the meantime, 657-464-7609. Of course, you can always email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We will see you on episode 382 for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dallamore, and this has been I Doubt It.
3: Talking to him is almost like communicating with a Deepak Chopra quote generator, where <laughs> you you start to wonder, like, what is it that we're even talking about here at this point?